show is produced in conjunction with Blazing Caribou Studios. You can check out this and other cool podcasts in the Blazing Caribou family by heading over to BlazingCaribouStudios.com. If you like the show, consider becoming a Patreon and donating because BCS is funded solely by listeners like you. Special thanks to Alpha Geek Media and Diamond Club for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, uh, I'm going to make a video on how to clean mealworm beetles. Um, there is probably 100 million videos like this already, but uh, never can be too many. Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast here on the Blazing Caribou Network. Every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. I'm Paul and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Paul and I'm also not an animal expert. Today, we're going to be talking about an animal that makes up 25% of all known life on the planet. One out of four known life forms on the planet yep about 40 percent of all insects on the planet oh insects oh because my first guess was going to be people that are playing world of warcraft <laughs> no i think that's a lot higher than one out of every four i think it's probably three out of every four <laughs> yes t- this week we are talking about beetles it's hard to do a half hour podcast on just one type of beetle so we're just lumping them all in together we're talking about beetles today Yes, and there's a lot of different types of beetles. Like I said, there's a quarter of all animals on the planet are beetles. So, uh, you know, let's get into it. That is astounding. Yes, let's get into it. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? So beetles, you know, the, you know them as the uh, large... Uh, bugs that have like these sort of plated exoskeletons, sort of like a medieval knight, you know, and they just kind of crawl around and creep you out, really, right? Oh yeah, they're uh, all they're usually really shiny. Yeah, the, yeah, shiny beetles. It's kind of they're, they're really they they give me the willies. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> that that shiny shell that protects a beetle's wings is actually another set of hardened wings called elytra. elytra. I don't I think I'm saying that right. Elytra, E L Y T R A. It sounds good to me. And that, that's one way you can usually tell a beetle apart from another insect is when they get ready to fly. Those hard wing-like things kind of pop up and their actual wings kind of come out from underneath and they take off. Right, yeah, so they have this like preparatory sort of uh, w- warning signal to you that they're about to take off and do something even creepier than what they were doing before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also the fact that they have six legs and usually some sort of visible kind of mouth part or horn or little feely things that come out of the uh, the front of the, the beetle there. Yeah, so to, to make it even more uh, disgusting, they don't have uh, like teeth and mouths like we have. They have mouth parts. Mouth parts. Yep, mouth parts. And, uh, <laughs> and they have those creepy mandibles that just go around and crush whatever they're eating and then they suck it up and it's just really, really great. 
And uh, that is where their similarities kind of end. The Beatles are extremely diverse in size, in color, in uh, adaptations. The smallest beetle is a, is a featherwing beetle called, I'm going to mess this up, <laughs> Skydocella musawanesis. Wow, that's a lot better than I could have even done. I'm not even going to attempt to say that. But yeah, whenever you, <laughs> whenever you try to say those, uh, those uh, scientific names for animals, that's tough, man. We'll just go with Featherwing Beetle. Yeah, I like, that? I like that. Yeah, that works for me. One hundredth of an inch long. Whoa, tiny. Yes, that's three tenths of a millimeter long for people who do metric things. Yeah. <laughs> and then the largest beetle is the Titan Beetle, which can grow to six and a half inches long. Oh, no, that oh, that just sent a chill down my spine. Oh, God. <laughs> if I saw one of those, I would run. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even think about anything else. If it was in my house, I'm moving. That's it. The house is not mine anymore. It belongs to the beetle. Yeah, we're going to need a bigger shoe. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of the differences between beetles, like some of those adaptations they have are pretty fascinating. So while beetles generally, to me, are a little gross, they have some really interesting things they can do. So if you think about fireflies, they are actually, in fact, not a fly, but a type of beetle, right? They use bioluminescence. They can generate in special organs in their lower abdomen, and they can create visible light, and they use that to attract mates. So large groups of fireflies in some parts of the world can uh, really precisely synchronize their light emissions, too. There's actually a YouTube video of some um, uh, fireflies in Tennessee that are kind of uh, blinking in unison. In unison, yeah. It's amazing to watch. And scientists have, have studied these fireflies to try to figure out how they synchronize their their blinking because it's dark. They can't see each other. Mm-hmm. Other than and the, they don't know- the light that's emitted, right? <laughs> Other than the tiny little bit of light that comes out of their, their butt, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they don't know. I wonder if it's one of those things where they, uh, and I don't know the answer to this or anything, but I wonder if it's one of those things where they somehow secrete some sort of pheromone and like all the other beetles can sense it and know to like blink at this rate at this time or something like that, or maybe something else, some other mechanism that, that I don't know. I mean, we don't know, so... Your guess is just as good as scientists who go out there for hours on end and study those right. those things. Exactly. And there's a lot of study that goes into them. Uh, there was a, a recent XKCD where uh, he talked about, uh, it's, he was on his what if little part of the blog and he was talking about um, how many fireflies it would take to match the brightness of the sun. And it ended up being quite a few. But more interesting to me was they had a, like a, a whole list of of different types of fireflies and like the pattern at which they blink when they are uh, emitting light and like there's like all these different patterns for different beetles it's, it's pretty crazy uh I'll, ha- I'll dig up a link to it and uh, we could throw it in the show notes yeah that would be great fireflies are cool do you have them where you live oh yeah we got them all over uh actually a f- interesting story about that is uh they don't have fireflies in denmark and uh we had some relatives in from denmark visiting us and they we're driving around and it was night on the first night that they got here and they were like why does everyone have all these crazy lawn ornaments that light up in the middle of the night and uh, everyone was like what what are you talking about lawn ornaments and it turned out they were talking about fireflies they didn't even know what they were they they, like couldn't have conceived that this was like an actual animal that's flying around and like blinking at them so they thought it was like had to be a lawn ornament oh that is neat yeah that is pretty cool we used to have fireflies down here in Florida. When I was a kid, There, you, you could go out in the evening and see fireflies, and I haven't seen a firefly in years. I don't know what happened to them. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, fireflies are negatively affected a little bit by uh, by some of the controls we use to eliminate mosquito populations. That so, could be it. So there could be, I know you guys have a lot of mosquitoes down there as well, so maybe uh, some of the efforts to control mosquito populations had an effect on your fireflies. I don't know. You know, that could be it. Yeah. That could be it, because I remember um, when I was a kid, they would spray for mosquitoes, and they would fly these planes at treetop level and just fog everything. <laughs> I know, and then you see that coming, and you're like, run! <laughs> oh, when I when I was a little kid, it scared the crap out of me. Yeah, it, you know, it would, yeah. My parents moved us down here from Indiana, and one of the first nights we spent down here was on a... We were actually sleeping on a screened porch in uh, my grandmother's house, and this plane flies overhead at about... He, he couldn't have been more than 50 feet off the ground, just... <laughs> scared us all half to death. It was like, we thought it was World War Three, man. Right, right. Another interesting... Uh adaptation that that some beetles have are, are there's diving beetles right and uh what they do is they kind of like carry a bubble of air with them underwater i know what you're thinking you're thinking so they can suck up that little bit of air and breathe a little bit longer while they're underwater right that's not actually what happens it's it's a little more interesting than that actually so what happens is uh as they're breathing in the air from inside of the bubble oxygen will diffuse from the water surrounding the bubble into the air and then they'll have more air to breathe. So the bubble actually acts like a gill. That is so cool. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. So another one of the uh, beetles that I was looking at was the tiger beetle. The tiger beetle. Yes. Mm. They have long, thin legs that help them move across the ground at incredible speeds. One species in the deserts of uh, Australia can run so fast it's considered to be one of the quickest insects in the whole world. Oh, God. This, see, this goes back to me talking about how I, I think beetles are amongst the creepiest creatures there are. And then when you mix that in with Australia, where everything wants to kill you, it that just makes it, you know, you end up getting this beetle that's uh, fast as hell, right? Well, you might be okay, Paul, because not only are they tiny, but mm-hmm. their brains are, are little teeny tiny brains. <laughs> okay. And often, when a tiger beetle runs, it's running so fast while it's chasing its prey that its eyes can't process the changing images fast enough. Oh. (laughs) So the beetle actually becomes blind for a few seconds. It has to stop and let its brain tell its eyes where its body is now. (laughs) Then it has to look around and relocate whatever it's chasing after. So that means a tiny insect or a large podcaster can escape just some just if it stays still yeah so you can get away from a tiger beetle yeah yeah i mean if you if you throw on top of that the fact that you could do a little juke move or something you could probably escape uh, from a tiger beetle pretty quick then i guess uh it'll lose you you just got to get behind it so it can't find you again and then you're good to go yeah and they are really fast there's a, a youtube video that i'll put in the show notes and it looks like it looks like the video is edited because that beetle is just in one place, and then it's in a completely different place. Oh man, that's we, nuts! We can't uh, we can't do a podcast about beetles without talking about dung beetles. <laughs> yes, dung beetles. They're they're pretty famous beetles, but yeah. So go ahead. It just it wouldn't be fair to the dung beetle. <laughs> dung beetles, of course, everybody I think knows about dung beetles. They eat poop. Yes, they use it as as building material. They roll it into nice, neat little balls. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you got to make use of everything you got, right? So dung beetles, they uh, make use of your poop. They're actually really, really important insects. 
but the the interesting thing about that is they they make this nice round little ball of poop, mm-hmm. which they use to lay eggs in. The uh, the male and the female dung beetle will work together to to build this perfectly round ball. The female will latch herself to the side of the ball, and the male will start pushing. Yeah, that's that's now, interesting. There's actually uh, in 1935, M.C. Escher did like a a, a wood wood carving or whatever you call that where you like kind of make an image on a, a piece of wood and it was it was of what you're describing right here it was of uh of one dung beetle pus- pushing a, a piece of rolled dung with another dung beetle attached to it so that's kind of interesting oh that's neat if you can find that send that to me sure sure but the way it pushes it it pushes it with its hind legs now picture if you were riding a bike and you situated yourself on the bike such that your your hands were working the pedals yeah and your chest was on the seat and your feet were on the handlebars trying to steer you <laughs> that that's like how a, a dung weird, beetle weird way to ride a bike <laughs> that well that's how a dung beetle pushes that ball of poop right since this is not a very smart way to move something that's larger than you it frequently gets off track it becomes lost it rolls the ball to where it doesn't mean to roll the ball so it will climb up on the ball <laughs> And either use the sun or the moon or stars, even the Milky Way, to kind of reorient itself. And then it'll get back on the ground and start pushing with its hind legs again. Oh, man, that's crazy. It's one of the, uh, one of the uh, animals that can circumnavigate the, the globe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and scientists have done little tests with, with dung beetles where they block out the sun or block out the moon just to try to, try to mess them up, which is kind of cruel. Yeah, what the heck? And then... While they're moving these poop balls around, other males will become male be- male dung beetles will become jealous of each other's balls. <laughs> hey, his That's balls are bigger pretty- than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so they 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 get in fights that last for hours, and they 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 kind of like wrestle. They kind of like do judo where they're flipping each other around, trying to get one of them on their shell or whatever. Yeah, trying to get one of them on their shell. Finally, when they've finally gotten the ball to where they want it and they haven't lost a fight they uh, bury it the female legs is eggs in it and then the new baby dung beetle has to eat its way out yeah that's actually um another thing i noticed that when i was researching beetles and dung beetles specifically was that the ancient egyptians used to think that that dung beetles were only needed a female to reproduce because of this method of reproduction they thought maybe the male wasn't part of the process really other than moving the dung around uh, they used to think that there was no uh, contribution from the male to reproduction but it turns out that that was wrong oh yeah they're super important yeah because that female isn't moving that ball she's just <laughs> hitching a ride <laughs> well you know she's but, she's creating new beetles right so she's got something else to do at the time yes yeah it turns out they're super important mm-hmm uh, otherwise, the the African savanna would just be covered in poop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that wouldn't be very good. I mean, it uh, might make it a little difficult to maintain life if everything was just a layer of poop. Yeah, they can clear out a, a pile of poop in in just minutes. Yeah, but you you have to figure there has to be something like that in nature because when you see like giant herds of wildebeest moving across the African savanna. What's that going to look like when they're done moving, you know? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, if you think about... Have you ever had a horse-drawn carriage ride? 
Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> one of the less uh, romantic parts of that ride is that at some point during the during the ride, you're going to see your horse take a dump, and uh, you know, will the beasts are similar? They're just taking dumps all the time, like these big, massive dumps, just like horses are. And so you're going to have uh, just a field full of dump. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like. Um... You know, if you're unfortunate enough to have the insane the insane clown posse come to your to your town yeah. and do a show, yeah. you're just gonna have like herds of people with piles of crap left over everywhere, and <laughs> somebody's got to go through and clean all that up. Right. If you work where there's rock concerts and you have to clean up after people, you are the dung beetles of humankind. Yes. And we thank you for and that. And we thank you for that. Yes, definitely. You have my greatest appreciation. Thank you for your service. <laughs> There's lots of uh, biodiversity amongst uh, beetles that, you know, we've been kind of discussing, right? So you got some that are pests. You got blister beetles that actually destroy crops, and they're called blister beetles because they can bite people and they'll, like, cause your skin to blister, right? And then I've never heard of those. Have you, been, have you ever been bitten by one? No, I've actually never seen one, but uh, okay. maybe that's because I don't spend too much time near farms and stuff where you're more likely to see them. That sounds unpleasant. Yeah, and then you got some beetles that are really helpful right so you have ladybugs and what they are really good at doing is that they eat aphids which will kill your plants so a lot of you can actually go to the store and buy a package of ladybugs to throw in your garden and then they'll eat up a bunch of aphids that are like trying to feed on your tomato plants or whatever and uh, you know then you can uh, have a better crop when you're done because of the ladybugs and i think aphids are also a, a type of beetle right uh well I think actually that they are similar to a beetle, but not exactly in the same family as beetles. I'm not sure about that. I, I would have to do some double checking there. Well, either way, if you have a, a like a farm or just a small garden, it looks all nice and peaceful, but it's actually like a beetle war zone. Right. So that actually reminds me of a story. So uh, as you may or may not know, I was uh, once a member of the uh, armed services, right? And I spent some time in Afghanistan. And uh, as they do with every place on the planet except for Antarctica, they have beetles out there as well. And this was my interaction with beetles in Afghanistan. So uh, one night I uh, was assigned to overnight guard duty, like guarding the entrance to the post we were on. So like for a couple weeks at at that uh, time, I was going to be staying up all night watching this gate to make sure no one tried to come through or whatever. Like the first night, I'm just out there and I'm hanging out at the entry point to the base and I'm just kind of minding my business keeping a watch and uh all of a sudden i hear this like scratching noise right and it was just like this little clawing noise and it was really kind of unsettling and i was looking around like where's that coming from is someone like trying to dig their way into the base or something like that like what's going on is someone out there and then all of a sudden uh i start seeing these little like uh, black blobs coming up from the ground and i was like oh what's going on out there and these beetles were like crawling their way out of the gravel and uh, then they they're, they're like these big things like an inch long and they oh, were uh, they, they just like started opening up their wings and flying around they didn't really have a lot of control over where they were going so they were just like pelting into everything and they hurt when they hit you too and that really gave me the willies and that's uh that beetle i believe is called the darkling beetle yeah uh i can i can kind of see why you really don't like beetles yeah yeah so so uh i that was a a kind of traumatic beetle experience that i i really is probably part of the reason why beetles really give me the willies because that was really gross to me 
Oh man, did anybody else have problems with the Beatles <laughs> just, out there? Just, uh, just basically anyone who had to stay up and be outside at night because they, they were nocturnal animals. But they didn't come out right at sunset. They uh, waited a little while till it, till it kind of cooled off, and then they would dig their way out of wherever they were hiding during the day. And it, it was like it was this weird, like kind of like Return of the Dead sort of thing when they were digging themselves <laughs> out of the ground. It was really weird. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, that's that's what I think about those Beatles, man. They're pretty gross. But uh, on a lighter note, there's a lot of Beatles in pop culture that uh, maybe aren't quite as gross. Uh, how about you, Paul? Do you know anything about that? I sure do. There's a lot of Beatles in pop culture, and we're going to talk about them right after these words. I'm Carrie Sims. You may know me from the popular weekly internet game show podcast, Trivia Geeks, streaming live every Tuesday night at 9.15 Eastern, 8.15 Central. Like any podcast, Trivia Geeks started out as nothing more than an idea and a dream. Here at Blazing Caribou Studios, we believe in cultivating those dreams and ideas to bring fresh content to the masses. Click on over to BlazingCaribouStudios.com and click on the link Pitch Podcast Ideas. Your dream could be just one click away. You know, whether they're the ones doing all the work or they're just there for comic relief, uh, movies, TV, and video games are loaded with animals, and the beetle is no exception. So let's talk for a few minutes about where we usually see beetles, not in nature or in a zoo, although you might see beetles quite often uh, around your house. (laughs) But uh, we see them on a screen, too. Right, okay. You know, I wonder if any uh, like a rock band like i think the beatles would make a it would be a good name for a rock band yeah uh, yeah i think that might be a good name for a rock band too i've never heard of any band like that i wonder if there was ever a band clever enough to call themselves the beatles the beatles (laughs) (laughs) you know i think everybody knows about the beatles um right they they debuted on american tv on the ed sullivan show on February 9th, 1964, just four months later, mm-hmm. because because when the when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan Show, music reviewers and music critics critics who were really closely tied to the whole radio industry mm-hmm. did not like the Beatles. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And they were very vocal about it. Oh, yes. Oh. So just four months later on this old TV show that you might have heard of called The American Bandstand with Dick Clark. Yes, before he was dropping balls in... Uh... Times Square, he was on American Bandstand. That's what he was known for. Yeah. There was the debut of the band called the American Beatles. Beatles (laughs) with two E's, like the insects. Right. That's interesting. (laughs) Now, I think they had a pretty original idea. They were were four guys. Uh, They all wore the same suit. They all kind of had the same dark kind of bowl haircut all right <laughs> uh two guitarists a bassist and a drum they all kind of shared vocal duties oh wait that's not very original is it <laughs> yeah so this is like uh trying to compare Sync with uh one of those other boy bands like what is it 98 degrees or some crap i don't even know or the backstreet boys yeah there you go except you have never seen a more blatant ripoff in your life, if you thought the kangaroo video game was a blatant ripoff of Donkey Kong, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should see the American Beatles 
on American Bandstand, and they didn't even play an original song. They played a cover of a Chuck Berry song. Well, that was actually something that was pretty common in the like late 50s, early 60s, where, where to play covers of popular songs rather than your original stuff when you went on TV. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was just a way to... Because people already knew those songs, so they'd be like, oh, they did a really cool rendition of this song, and then they'd go out and try to check out your record after that. They weren't good. They didn't last very long. They actually changed their name a couple more times and they never even they weren't even a one-hit wonder (laughs) a no-hit wonder (laughs) they were a no-hit wonder because once people got a taste of the beatles that we all know and love they didn't want anything to do with the american beatles right right exactly because the uh the beatles as opposed to the american beatles were uh the the pinnacle of music at the time right so no one really gave a two dungs about the (laughs) the american beatles (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, Paul, you were in the Army. Yes, I was in the Army. Perhaps you have more of an appreciation for the comic strip Beetle Bailey than I do? Right, so uh, the comic strip by uh, Mort Walker started in the 50s, uh, right around the time of the Korean War. It kind of follows the exploits of this kind of dopey... I think he was a private in the Army, and um, he just kind of does... He gets into hijinks with his other you know, colleagues or whatever, and... Uh, to be honest with you, when I encountered that comic, it was before I was in the army. So, like, I would read it, and it, I was like, "All right, that's cool, I guess," but I didn't know what KP <laughs> was or anything, so I, I wasn't really following it, and I haven't read it since. So, because I don't really get newspapers anymore, where I might get the strip. Yeah, I can't tell you when the last time I saw like the comic. Do they still have funny pages in like the Sunday paper? I've even, I even I don't even know. I have, do they still make Sunday papers? I don't even know. I haven't seen one in years. <laughs> I've seen them at the store, but I don't know how old they are. Sure, there you I go. I assume they're current. They, they, well, they could be antique so maybe if you go to try to buy one, you're, it's going to cost you 10 bucks cuz it's a <laughs> paper from 2001. The Beetle Bailey is still running. Oh, it is. I didn't realize that it was still running. Well, it's yes. just, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe papers are still around then. I don't know. When Beetle Bailey started running in 1950, people were born, they grew up, got married, had kids, went to college, had grandkids, lived full lives, and died of natural causes, and Beetle Bailey was still still around. (laughs) That's nuts. That kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, that's a long-running strip. You must have something good when something lasts that long. It's hard to, like, it's not my... It's kind of not my cup of tea. The humor is a little bit too safe, and they kind of use the same punchlines. You know, Beetle Bailey's lazy, and the one guy always beats up on him, and the the sergeant is kind of a doddering old fool, and there's the secretary who's blonde and hot, and she's also kind of dumb, and it's they go to this they go to the same jokes all the time yeah so uh now that you're describing it and then thinking back to my military experience maybe that's a little bit accurate i don't know there's some lazy privates (laughs) around and uh no i'm just kidding just kidding would you be able to be a a private for 60 years in the army or would they just kick you out (laughs) i I don't know actually They, they probably would kick you out at some point if you if you screwed up enough to where you couldn't get promoted past private for 60 years then you'd you'd probably get kicked out by that like I, because I'm not. I, I've never been in the military. How does it work? Can you just make a career out of being a private in the army, if you wanted to? Uh, I mean, you're almost like going. If you do well enough to not get kicked out, you're gonna probably do well enough to get promoted at least to like a rank called specialist, which is the first rank before you become a non-commissioned officer. 
I think it would be pretty tough to, to make a career out of that. You're probably going to get kicked out for some reason before you uh, uh, get to that point. Because like, if you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing and you're doing right, then you're doing something good, right? So then you're probably going to get promoted. And if you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, you're going to get disciplined and eventually kicked out. So Beetle Bailey is just a special kind of slacker. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he's more of a mascot than a private, I'd say at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else in pop culture? Uh, we, yeah, there's one more thing that I was thinking about. So when I think about Beatles, there's one thing specifically I always think about, and that's What's the, that? the Volkswagen Beetle, the, the iconic Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, the iconic car that was around in the '60s and made a comeback around 2000 sometime. And you see him driving around with the flowers in him. I don't know what that's about. You know, um, just thought that was worth a mention. Uh, they made a car that looked like one of the grossest insects ever to exist. <laughs> you have a little bit of prejudice against beetles. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> they kind of look like they, they're kind of round and beetly yeah. looking. Yeah, exactly. And is that why they named it that? Yeah, I think that. I think. Well, I think they probably went into the design stage of that car and was like, Let's make something that actually looks like an insect, and then they went went through with that. So, because maybe the Volkswagen Wart didn't sound quite as uh, <laughs> euphonious. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> the Beetle sounded nicer. Yeah, and uh, you know maybe they were trying to capitalize a little bit off of the popularity of the Beatles too. I don't know. The DC comic superhero, the Blue Beetle. Yeah. Uh, so that's another. Another obscure sort of comic book hero, right? That's uh, named after a random animal. I guess uh, the first appearance of that guy was in 1939. So that's back when they were doing a lot of really uh, random uh, superheroes. They were just like, pull pull a random animal out of a hat, give it a color, and here's your superhero. Yeah, and the original one in 1939 wasn't even... It was just an off-duty cop in a suit. <laughs> that, that actually is kind of a cool concept, but yeah... Uh, why, Why, if you were going to have a nickname for yourself, would you call yourself the Beetle? I don't know. But And they tried to reinvent the Blue Beetle three or four times. Yeah, and, the 60s um, and then the 80s. You know, if you're a superhero and you can fly and you have super strength, that's all well and good. But that doesn't seem to... That seems like bare minimum, you know, system requirements for a superhero. Right, exactly. It's kind of a boring superhero, to be honest. Yeah, super strength and flying is not terribly compelling unless you add something else into it exactly so um paul yes what if i told you that there was a sustainable a sustainable source of protein high in healthy fats high in vitamin a high in vitamin b would you be interested yeah i'd say tell me more well how about some mealworms uh, beetle larvae oh uh, no god oh, come on man <laughs> don't give me that I've seen uh, Bear Grylls eating those on TV man and that looks gross and then when he bites down you hear a little bit of like a pop that it's, little pop yeah, yeah. Oh, dude <laughs> oh come on and you know how I feel about beetles already they're gross so uh, you're not going to try mealworms no I'm not eating mealworms not even if you uh, roast them and dip them in chocolate I'm, I'm out I would maybe try them. All right, fair enough. You, I you, might try you, a few. You do seem like a little bit uh, braver of a soul than me, so, you know. I would take one for the team and, and eat some <laughs> mealworms. Yeah. Every every few years, there seems to be, like, some scientist giving a TED Talk telling us about how great eating bugs is. Yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody in this country is interested in eating bugs. It's like, no, we'll just... Uh, 
We'll keep eating cows for now. That's fine. We're good. <laughs> yeah, cows. I like cows. They, they fart a lot, but I like cows. We're going to have to do a show on cows. I yeah, too. for sure, for sure. It's kind of hard to gauge animal intelligence, but like on a scale of 1 to 10, how smart do you think beetles are? Well, okay, so here are the factors as I see them. Um, they're, they're beetles. They're generally pretty small, and they have tiny brains. So that's that's a point against them. But the dung beetle can actually uh, tell what direction it's facing using like the sun and stars and moon and stuff. So I would say they're not a one, but they're not that smart. Uh, I'd give them maybe a three. Well, don't forget that the dung beetle also eats its own... Well, it doesn't eat its own poop, but it does eat poop. Yeah, so that, that knocks it down a peg. You know what? I'm going to revise that to two. I, I'd go along with that. A one and a half or a two. <laughs> You're getting down to the half points because they're so low on the scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i got to give him something. Yeah, yeah. One thing's for sure, though. Uh, we couldn't do without them. We asked about uh, kangaroos last week if they could run the world. Yeah. Beetles couldn't run the world, but... But without beetles, the world would fall apart. Yeah, Maybe it, not immediately, but over time. I think if we didn't have beetles, we wouldn't have a lot of things. Yeah, they're gross, but uh, they're necessary. So I'm going to grudgingly accept them as my uh, cohabitants of this planet. So They're a necessary evil, Paul. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, sir. You got to live with them. Yep. Got anything else? No, nope, that's it. Well, now you, the listener, are an expert on beetles. And uh, that'll do it for this week. The Varmints Podcast is produced by me, Paul Chomo, with technical help from Matthew Chomo and Paul Wilk. All the music on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod. We are on the Blazing Caribou Network of Podcasts, so please go to blazingcariboustudios.com. You can find our show. You can find the show notes that go along with this episode, uh, links to the audio for this podcast, and you can find lots of other great podcasts and the link to the Blazing Caribou Studios Patreon where you can support the network. And also, we, as always, we'd love it if you took the time to leave us a nice rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. Those help a whole lot. Thank you so much for joining me, Paul. Uh, see you later. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, be nice to animals. Bye. listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. If you like this podcast and want to hear more like this, consider supporting the BCS Patreon at BlazingCaribouStudios.com. A special thanks to Pinto and the Bean for our company theme music. If you want to hear more, head on over to PintoAndTheBeanMusic.com, where you can check out this and other cool tracks. From a shallow world.